This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Do you remember, guys, the first day of school? At least when I was growing up, the first day of school, the outfit you picked for the first day was a big deal. You, you put your thought into that because whatever grade you were entering, it was not just your chance to go to school that day, it was your chance to recreate a new identity. And it may be that whoever you chose to be that year, that your dress was going to set the pace on that first day. We learned that everyone is so preoccupied with themselves that we don't really notice anyone else on that particular day. But the first day of school is in our minds such an important important day for our dress so we're dressed appropriately are good. Do you know that um, the first really makes a difference? I don't speak outside of our church a whole lot, but occasionally I do speak outside of our church. And I know this, that within the first 30 seconds, people who listen to a public speaker decide whether or not they like that person. That's why I love preaching to you guys as your pastor, because hopefully you love me. And when we start, we already start with that baseline. But I am aware that we have visitors. So we want to fir- start our sermon uh, well. We want to start our sermon engaging, interesting. This is why years ago, Billy Graham always started with a joke. And now pastors sometimes get jokes off the internet. I don't find those jokes very funny, so I don't give those to you. So I try to find other ways to engage you. Uh, I don't want you to feel manipulated, but that's just a public speaking strategy. So you start out the this, this speech and you want to engage the listeners. So they say, hey, I like that guy. I like that lady. I'll go ahead and hear what they say. We think about how we start the church services around here because we know now Half of you are still in the parking lot or maybe on Indian Lake Road when we start our church. And so we know that church service. Uh, another significant portion of you are out in the lobby talking. So I realized that starting the church service, there's certain Hebrew words of worship that we're supposed to analyze. And it's, we're supposed to have like a call to worship and a gathering. I call the start of our service, get your tail out of the lobby song. That's what we need. So everybody goes, oh, I'm running late. I better go find my seat. And we put a little more thought to that. But we do think about, hey, how are we going to start the service to be engaging? First impressions make a difference. First impressions make a difference in uh, the way uh, you connect with someone. However, they make that evaluation of you on first. Right or wrong, good or bad, by human nature, the the first impressions make a big difference. Today, I want to talk to you about God is first, and I want to talk to you specifically about first fruits giving. I want to talk to you a little bit more about money. This is my second week in a row to talk about money. I won't talk about money the next few weeks, so if you don't like hearing sermons about money, this is it, so bear with me the next 30 minutes. But I give this to you, not because we're trying to raise funds around here. God's really blessing us financially. And so we're at a healthy place, so we're not passing out cards or having you pledge anything today. I want to talk a second week about your giving, not for the church's benefit, though we do benefit when you give, but for your benefit. Because I know this, there's some principles that I've applied to my life that has made my life better. And I want you just to hear those today. Last Sunday, I preached on the tithe, and I encourage you to go back 
and listen to that sermon because we won't repeat all the same information. We'll touch on that a little bit. And the tithe is a certain amount that God has blessed. It's 10%. And so he said, hey, my blessing is on this amount. This has happened before the law was given and after the law was completed in Christ. Jesus encouraged us to tithe. And it's just such a great, great opportunity. We're not under the law where we have to tithe, but we're under the opportunity to tithe. We're under the blessing to tithe. So that's talking about the amount, the 10%. And New Testament giving would have us give more than 10%, even more. I will say I'm speaking to Christians today, so if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here, and I want you to enjoy this message, but I'm speaking specifically to people who have already decided to follow Jesus. What I want to talk to you about today with first fruits giving is not the amount, because we talked about that last week, the tithe. I want to talk to you about the timing, not the how much, but the when. When do we give? And this is a principle that I've only discovered within the last decade of my life, and it's changed my attitude towards giving. It's changed my attitude of why I give and what my motivation is when I give. And the first, the first is so important. Now, all of us know somebody. We have a uncle, our dad, our grandfather, or we may be that person too, a male in our life who loves to stand out in the humid heat and cook meat in the open air. Do you know any of those people? Are you one of those guys who just loves to grill, loves to smoke, loves to do that type of thing? I have done that before. I know how to turn on a gas grill and, and put some pre-frozen, pre-packaged burgers on the grill. But I do that only for a function, and that is to eat the food. It's really a sport to some of you guys. I mean, some of you guys, it's like a primal need in your life from the early human race that men used to cook meat by the fire, and this has continued in the modern age. And so you love to spend hours seasoning your meat, cooking your meat, talking about the different, the different food you're gonna cook and all of that deal. So do we, do we have some people in here? You guys know what I'm talking about here? Are, are, okay, thank you, thank you. I'm not crazy, it's nice to know that. Well, this scenario has probably happened to you. I was at my cousin's house on July 4th and her husband, Brett, did this. He, he spent all morning long cooking uh, this pork and seasoning it and smoking it and he was proud of it and it was delicious and he should have been. And you've seen something like this happen. It didn't happen exactly like this uh, at our gathering, but it's happened many, many times. Brett purchased the food, owned the food, seasoned the food, cooked the food, and then he, it belonged to him, and he was going to share it with all of us. But what does a man who's cooked his food, what does he do the first thing? He tastes the portion that he wants. He says, that part, that part of the pork or that part of the brisket is mine. I'm gonna cut that part off and I'm gonna taste it. That part is mine. Really, the whole piece is his and he's choosing to share it. But he says, that first portion is mine. Well, this is a way that we can look at first fruits giving. It's a metaphor and it's this. The first belongs. The first belongs the first belongs to God. This is a concept that I want you to understand today. This is a concept that's changed my life. Not just how much we give, 
The tithe belongs to God, but the first belongs to God. The first transaction. We give God what is his first. There's three things that God asks of in the Old Testament. And now they're great prototypes on how we should live now. We're not under the law of this, but we're under the opportunity. First one is the tithe. You can write this down. We, again, discussed this last week. I want to share one verse about the tithe that relates to what we're talking about today. Leviticus 27.30 says this, Every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, look at this phrase, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I want you to remember the people who heard this law lived in an agrarian society. So their commerce was the produce of the land, the fruit, the grain, the, the produce. This is like their commodity, what our money is today. And here it is. The pattern that the Lord set among his chosen people was this. The tenth belonged to God. Everything belongs to God, but he's just saying, I want you to live off 90% and the tenth is mine. The tenth belongs to me. Here's the second thing God wants. is a firstborn. And later on today, you can go look at these scriptures. They're good scriptures. Is that in the Old Testament law, all, everything that was born first belonged to God. And because of this, because of this, in Luke chapter two, the scripture that's referenced in your notes, Mary and Joseph took their firstborn, Jesus, and dedicated him in the temple. The concept of the firstborn, and you'll see in this teaching today, points to Jesus and it points to him because everything, the tithe, the firstborn, always points back to Jesus. Here's the third thing God says is mine. The, the tithe belongs to me, the firstborn belongs to me, and now the first fruits. The first fruits belong to me. And this is the heart of today's teaching. We see this in Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land shall you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Where do you give your tithe? Where do you give your first fruits? You give it to the house of the Lord. You give it to the place, the place that worships God, the place that causes God's people to have a gathering of worship. It's not necessarily a physical structure. We're thankful for the one we have, but it's the church. It's a gathering of God's people. It's the countercultural institution. I want you to understand something that if you're part of God's family and you're part of the church, you're part of a counterculture. We, we respect the laws of our land and we follow them until they violate God's word. And God's word always, always is stronger than the law of man. And throughout history, and even today in countries around the world, we have brothers and sisters who are conscientious objectors to the laws that they're under because they are part of the alien culture called the church that is under the law of God. The law of God is always stronger than the law of man. And sometimes, in some places, in some phases, those things somewhat align. They've never perfectly aligned. But when we're find ourselves in a culture where God's word doesn't align with the laws of the land. God's word is what we follow. 
God's word is what we honor. And so by bringing your tithe and first fruits to the house of God, you are continuing to cause a counterculture to exist and to function and to prosper, a place that is light in the darkness, a place that is salt that brings out the flavors of Jesus in the earth. And that's how God has chosen to function. So let's talk about the first fruits for a second. And I want you to see this illustration up here at the front. And I want you to imagine that, that I put 10 $1 bills from your left to the right. I almost did this, but I don't carry a whole lot of cash with me. And I didn't want to take the effort to get that. And then I did not want to insult your intelligence to think you could not imagine this. So use your imagination. So there's 10 $1 bills from your left to the right. So the question is, which is first? Is it to the left or is it to the right? Which is first? Well, neither. The first dollar, the 10, is the first one you spend. It doesn't matter if it's to the left or to the right. The first is what you spend. It's not a directional thing. And I want to encourage you that today you have the opportunity if you want to follow this grace of giving and follow this and be a tither, to be one who doesn't just tithe, but tithes first. He gives God what is his first. This is what this means. This means is that we don't give God the leftovers. We don't say, God, I'm gonna take care of my house first. Make sure my mortgage payment's done. Make sure my car payment's accomplished. Make sure that uh, there's no unexpected medical expense. Make sure that there's no nothing else. There's, there's no extra times we wanna go out to eat this month. And then if, if there's leftover, then we'll give to you, God. That's not the heart God wants us to have. God wants us to have the heart where we say, I want as soon as possible to get what belongs to God out of my house into God's house. It's an opportunity for me to give first fruits giving. It's an opportunity for me to give what is God's first. And I'm gonna tell you this, this is a great way to live and great things will happen to you. This will set the tone for your life. And I know that maybe not everyone is ready to hear this message or ready to accept this message and that is totally okay. It, it, this is a secondary issue. It's not a salvation issue. It's a secondary issue. That's why we just touch on it occasionally. But it's an important issue because it's all about the heart. And I want you to understand this issue. In Joshua chapter six, we won't necessarily read this today. I want you to read it later. But you may remember, some of you may know the story of when the walls of Jericho fell. God sent the Jewish people into a new land for them to occupy the land he had chosen for them and miraculously, this smaller army conquered this city that seemed uh, like it was invincible. And because of that victory, within the instructions that God gave his people, we will look at this one verse, verse 19 of Joshua 6. He says this, For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. And the story goes on, the people shouted and they won the victory, but God was very specific saying, in this particular case, for this one city, he didn't say it for necessarily other cities, he said, all of it goes to the Lord, all of it. Do you know that this was the first city that they conquered 
in the promised land. It's an example of first fruits. God said, the first is mine. The first fruits is mine, and I want that. Now, in our culture today, we are, we are uh, told or, or we're in the work rhythm where most of us believe Monday is the first day of the week. I mean, it just feels that way, doesn't it? That's when work starts and school starts, and it's natural to feel that way. But I wanna add one little caveat. I know I said there's three things that belong to God, but underneath those instructions, there's a fourth aspect that I wanna bring up, and it's this. Sunday is first fruits day. Sunday is first fruits day. The very fact that you're physically at church today means you have put God first with your week. You have said on this first day of the week, God's gonna be first. You are giving first fruit time to God. This changes so much our motivation for church. I don't want you to come to church because you're feeling guilty or come to church only out of obligation. Some obligations are good for us. So I don't wanna say that's ever bad because they get us to the place we're supposed to be. But I want you to realize that we don't go to church on Sunday out of cultural habit, out of fear of not making it to heaven. Those are, those are not or should not be uh, driving forces that cause us to go to church. One of the reasons we go to church on Sunday, the primary reason is because we celebrate the resurrection, not on Easter, but every single Sunday. And then on the first day of the week, we give our time to God. Look at the scriptures and you'll see this. Acts chapter 20, verse seven, it says this, on the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread, Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he extended his message until midnight. I'm going on vacation this week, is it okay if we go past uh, a little, you guys, I know if it goes past noon, you know, I'm really aware of your schedule, but these guys went past midnight into Monday, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. This is instructions given to the first church. Now, about the collection of saints, you should do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches. Look at this, verse 2. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save it in keeping with how he prospers so that no collections will need to be made when I come. So the idea was, on the first day of the week, as God has prospered us, we're going to give the first fruits to him. Now, I know that today the mechanics of this is a lot different because, you know, sometimes I'm not able to do time sequence, make my first financial tra uh, transaction my tithe because I get my paycheck is automatically deposited into my checkbook. And most of my, now most of my mortgage payment and most of my bills just automatically go out. That's just the way I've structured it. So sometimes the money's coming in and almost simultaneously money is going out. So this is not a legalistic kind of paranoia is to tithe my first check as much as it is a heart issue of like, God wants us to like have a quick heart that says, I want very quickly to get what belongs to God out of my house into God's house. And I'm gonna do that in the most expedient way possible because I know this, that things will go much better for me 
with the blessing and favor of God upon 90% of my income than with me trying to engineer 100% of my income. It's a spiritual dynamic. It's an opportunity. It's a chance for you to test God as we talked about last week in Malachi chapter three. And you watch and you see what happens as you begin to move towards this. Some of you will have the faith to start this immediately. And if you have the faith to start this immediately, I say go for it. If for some reason you don't have the faith to do that, and that's not insulting when I say that, or your, your financial structure is not organized to where you don't even feel like it's capable, start taking steps to this. Start giving God $10 out of your, your check as one of your first transactions or $20 or so on, whatever amount you feel like you can handle. And you begin to see, when you begin to put God first, you start putting God first with your time and say, Sunday's a priority. I'm gonna get in God's house. I'm gonna give first fruits time to the Lord. And then I'm going to start restructuring my finances so I'm giving God first fruits of my giving. You start watching what happens. You start watching what happens to your heart when you're putting God first in your time and your money. It will be amazing what he'll begin to do to you. I'm telling you this for your benefit. I'm telling you this because the future ahead of you, God has given you the tools. God has given you the steps. God has given you his word and opportunity to do this. And it will be such a blessing to you. You'll be blessed. The church will be blessed. The poor will be blessed. That's the way God's advancing the kingdom of God. I'm so, I'm very sympathetic knowing that we're all on different socioeconomic levels. But I know this, God's word is stronger than those divisions that have been created in our economy. God's word is stronger than the injustices that may be contained in in some of our aspects of our economy. God's word is stronger than any force that's trying to inhibit you, any force that's trying to limit you, any force that's trying to have you operate in fear. You begin to be a first fruits tither and giver. It will break fear in your life. Some of us are so afraid of our financial future. Can I tell you that I am not trusting in my wisdom. I'm not trusting in my ability to make money. I'm not trusting in this economy. I'm sure not trusting in that. I'm not trusting in the government. I'm not trusting in market forces. I'm trusting in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. He's never seen the righteous forsaken. He's never let God's own children beg for bread. And he's the one that's gonna provide for us. He's the one, and, and when you begin to see that, it will begin to enact, activate a faith in your life that will change your life. It will bless your life. It will be good for you. You know, uh, I had my 40th birthday last month. We had a couple of different celebrations. One was a real smaller celebration with just my immediate family and my mom. And Beth did something really, really great to honor me. She went around the table and she said, I want everyone to say something nice about dad or about Aaron. So everyone said something nice. The boys didn't say anything too remarkable. They said, thanks for taking us to ball games. So, all right, thank you. You're welcome guys. Um, but I, I, felt, I felt the love regardless. Um, but my mom said something that meant a lot to me and, and it's an illustrative point, so I'm not trying to brag. She just said, Aaron, I appreciate the fact that you are very even kill with your emotions. You always try to stay positive and you're not high or low, you stay even kill. Here's the reason this meant a lot to me because I'm not saying this for pride. 20 years ago, that was not the case at all. I, I am by nature a very moody person, very, very moody and my, I had a lot of ups and I had a lot of downs. When I started my professional career, uh, one of my good friends, my coworkers, came into work one day 
And he, um, he said, he said, hey, Aaron, how you doing? And I kind of grunted something like, hey, I don't know what I said, but I kind of grunted back an answer. And he immediately said, oh, I know what kind of day this is going to be. And I said, what do you mean? He said, Aaron, I always know immediately when I say hi to you what kind of mood you're going to be in today. And wow, I didn't like that. I didn't like that about myself. That was one of the defining stories that helped me begin to think forward a new future. And I think it's one of the things that have helped me kind of change my personality bent. Because now I do try to live even kill. I do sometimes get a little hyper if you get to know me. If I, my first cup of coffee of the day, I get real chatty and hyper and I start talking a lot. But, but I, I try to stay even kill. And so that compliment from mom meant a lot to me. Um, and this is what I learned from this story. As I learned now that the first fruits of every conversation makes a difference. And so I try to greet people with enthusiasm and being positive. And the way you start your day, the way you literally walk into a room sets the tone for the relationships you're in. Isn't that amazing? And so it is that even though your personality, uh, even though you may feel down, even though you may feel upset, even though you may be discouraged, I have found that if I choose to give a positive tone, that uh, the choice beforehand can make a real difference in my behavior and my attitude. So this is something, and I want you to see this, this is the first fruits, the first fruits of your day, the first fruits of your conversation, the first fruits of your interaction, the first creates, that's the second point. And I want you to see that, the first creates. The first begins to create something in you. This definitely makes a difference financially, but it makes a difference relationally in everything in your life. Look at this amazing scripture out of Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11 says this, now if the first fruits offered up are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. I want you to see something, what begins to happen in your life when you are a person that church participation is part of your life and Sunday morning is part of your life. And I certainly have no issue with a Saturday night church or various times of churches, but you understand this is, is the custom for most, most Christians around the world that you are starting your week on Sunday putting God first. It's the first fruit of your time. The rest of your week, the rest of your week, the pace has been set. The rest of the week, the first batch is holy. And, and, and God has redeemed your time. God's gonna say, this time is unto the Lord. And, and I implore you, listen, I implore you strongly for the love of America. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm gonna say this. For the love, if you wanna be a patriot, then... Make sure you do what's possible to get your kids and grandkids part of weekly worship because America is giving up church attendance. Statistically, it is, it is since 1990, the amount of Americans participating in church has dropped drastically after 60 years of being an even baseline. So guess what? Parents, grandparents, your kids won't always wanna go to church. They don't like going to school either. They don't like eating their vegetables either. They don't like cleaning their room or making their bed. So encourage them to go anyway. Like encouraging them by threatening their food intake. I don't know. <laughs> That's a joke, please. <laughs> I want all the children of our community well-nourished, whether they go to church or not. <laughs> My disclaimer for any lawyer who may get this. 
The first fruit creates. Here's the third thing. The first takes faith. The first takes faith. It always requires faith to give to God first. It doesn't take as much faith to give to God at the end, but it takes faith to do it first. And when you're saying that, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting God that you're enough. I'm trusting God that you're enough. I'm trusting God that, that according to your scripture, you're the provider. We talked about Malachi 3. There's so many promises in that. If you don't know that scripture, read that scripture later. And one of the things God said, he's gonna rebuke the devourer in your life. It may not always be more money in your checking account or your savings account or your retirement account. I hope that is the case. Isn't that nice when that happens? But it may be extended health. It could be uh, relationships that last. How many know that the biggest detriment to building wealth in America is divorce? And it's true because it keeps people from building wealth. God's blessing on your marriage is gonna benefit you and benefit you financially. We've had divine breakdowns three different times, probably more, but there's three different times I can think of because God never promised that a car is gonna last 50 years, right? They only last about 10 years if you take good care of them or 15. One, one year, we, it was July 4th and the kids were real young and we spent all day trying to put a swing set together in our backyard. I wanna tell you that me doing anything mechanically, we're way behind on this. This was not possible. Beth's pretty good at it, but the kids were young and we were working on this thing and it was now time for the Goodlettsville fireworks. So I just on a whim said, let's go, let's go see the fireworks right now, right now. Don't even think about it, let's just go. And so I'm in work clothes. Beth is in a bathing suit with a t-shirt over it. Luke, who's sitting right here in a checkered shirt, he was in diapers still. Lincoln, was he alive yet? He was barely alive. He was just a little baby. So we, uh, we, 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 put the, we, we put the kids in the van and we take off the Goodlettsville and we see the fireworks and we're pulling out a conference drive and then the transmission falls out of our, our van. And we're like, uh-oh. Police officer standing right there. I'm like, hey, can you help us? This guy was stressed out. I was like, no, get the car out. I mean, because this line of cars is coming. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And we're not even properly clothed. And uh, this is terrible. You know, the, the whole county is about to see us. And all of a sudden we look up. And this was in the days of the church plant before we came to this building. And we had about 15 young adults running towards our car. It was a young adult group from our church who were, had parked right by where we broke down. So we just pushed the van to the side and different babies went to different cars and we got sent back to uh, our house. And hey, it was a divine breakdown, the right time, right place. And uh, God was looking out for us. These things happen, and there's lots of different ways that you can see the blessing of God. But here's the deal. I know not everybody wants to accept this message. And I just want you to say, I just pass you God's word. I just, and, and you can do what you want to with it. I, I hope you believe it, whether or not you believe what I'm saying or not. I'll see you in heaven, right? This is not a salvation issue. But this is something that does take faith. And Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Look what will happen when that happens. Then the barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Guys, this is the scripture. This is, 
uh, this particular scripture is an observation of wisdom that is timeless. Five to 6,000 years old, it still applies today. It still applies our barns today, our bank accounts, our checking accounts, different things like that. I believe that we can believe that if we give in faith, we're first fruit tithers, first fruit givers, giving to what God's first, that we can expect to see God's blessing on our finances. And one of the reasons I wanted to preach this message is because I know many of you have been longtime tithers and givers, and it can become a little mechanical, kind of a little bit like here, you know, I'm gonna text my gift into the church. I'm gonna give my check to the church. And for those of you I believe the Lord wants to encourage you with these scriptures because he wants you not to just tithe mechanically. He wants you to do so in faith. I commend you for what you've done and I'm not criticizing it. I'm encouraging you to say this, is that these scriptures, I'm giving this to you to open your eyes and open the eyes of faith so that you can say, yes, God, this is more than a financial transaction. This is a statement of my faith. I am putting my faith on the line that God is my provider. I'm putting the faith on the line that God is the one that's gonna come through for me. I'm putting my faith on the line that I will not operate in fear or lack or shortage because my God, God is the one who is in control. And so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. The story of Cain and Abel, you may remember this, the first murder that took place, one of the first sins, the children of Adam and Eve. Cain murdered Abel. He did so out of jealousy because God accepted Abel's sacrifice but did not accept Cain's sacrifice. Why is that? We don't know this for sure. But here is a really plausible theory that I want you to see in scripture. Genesis chapter four, verse three through five, it says this, in the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce. Another version says, in the process of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, verse four. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock, and their fat portions. Now look at this. The Lord had regard for Abel in his offering, going on, but he did not have regard for Cain in his offering. Cain was furious and he looked despondent and the root of that jealousy and bitterness led to murder. I see in this scripture the difference between Cain and Abel is that Cain gave his in the course of time, in the process of time, And the Bible doesn't say anything about when Abel gave his gift. So it's quite possible that Abel gave his timely first fruits in the time that he was supposed to. Here's the last thing I wanna say, because it all goes back to Jesus. Because if it doesn't go back to Jesus, everything I said is, is, doesn't have meaning. I'm gonna tell you this, money is important, but it's not that important because the Bible says this, what does it profit a man to gain the world but to lose his soul? If you have all the money in the world and all the money management and you don't have Jesus, you are poor, wretchedly poor. The gift of our salvation is more valuable than we could ever imagine. You can put no price on what it means for Jesus to be the substitute for your sin, for Jesus to take the burden of your sin upon himself, to take the punishment of his sin upon you. Here's the last thing I wanna point out. This is gonna be exciting to you. Jesus is literally a first fruits offering. This is amazing. Jesus is God's first fruit offering. John 129 says the next day, 
John saw Jesus coming towards him, John the Baptist, that is, and he pointed at Jesus and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb before Jesus was a sacrificial animal, the helpless Lamb, the helpless Lamb that can't defend itself without a shepherd. This was a prototype of God himself, the Lamb, the Lamb who is here the lamb who is sacrificing himself. And look now what Romans 8 says. This is gonna hopefully tie it all together for you. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he, being Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brothers. Guys, as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of the Lord, Jesus was the first fruit as the only begotten son of God, as the first fruit son of God. Jesus was literally a first fruits offering for you. He was God's offering for you. Now, this is the ramification of it. This is where I want you to see the anointing in your gift. There's an anointing in your gift. Listen, guys, a wrong motivation of the church has been give us money because we want your stuff and we want to try to fund the church as the only motivation. That's a wrong motivation. Here's the anointing in your gift. When you begin first fruit giving to the Lord, you're proclaiming a version of the gospel. You're saying this, the same Jesus who was the first fruit offering for me, who was the first fruit offering that before, before I even committed the sins from the foundation of the earth, the lamb of God was slaughtered. The lamb of God who was Jesus was, was punished upon the cross for my sins as a grace to cover my sins as a first fruit offering. And so what you're doing is when you did first fruits tithing, you're proclaiming the gospel over your life. And you're just saying that the same thing Jesus did for me, this is a symbolic act in my giving. Is that not a powerful statement? Is that not a powerful? Now my giving is not simply, is not simply like fundraising for uh, some type of nonprofit organization. I am, I am, I am giving an anointed gift that's proclaiming the gospel of first fruits from the Lord. I wanna ask our ushers to begin to prepare to take, to distribute the communion. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 